0: This morning we continue the series that we started last week. It's titled, Go Tell It, or it's it's titled, Carols. And today we're going to uh, look at this uh, song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. What we're doing is we're looking at some of the songs we sing at Christmas to discover the message behind the songs. And so the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is an African-American spiritual, a slave song, if you will, that dates back to about 1865. There's a man by the name, uh, an African-American man, uh, who's a choral director, and also he liked to collect folk songs, including uh, spirituals, and his name was John Wesley Work, and he compiled, he's the one who the first time compiled this song in a book uh, around the early 1900s, and uh, that was really the first time that it, it, it was uh, really put, well, first of all, it was put into a collection and uh, a, a songbook. And so since then, it's, it's taken off. It's a song that tells a story of the birth of Jesus, but with the focus of telling the, the good news, not just hearing the story and, and not just talking about the, the characters, and certainly includes uh, the characters, uh, but the focus is on the burden. And the opportunity that we have to tell people about the good news of the birth of Jesus. So this song appears to be based on two primary passages of Scripture. First, the the passage we read last week in Luke 2, the, the story of the shepherds. But secondly, in Isaiah 52, 7, where the prophet Isaiah foretells a day when the good news of the Messiah will be announced through the entire earth. So here's Isaiah 52, 7, reads like this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So the writer of this carol says, go to the mountains, go tell it on the mountain, Tell the good news about Jesus being born. Now, how many of you... I, I just decided I'm going to try to sing it because it's, I, I, don't, I don't think I can make through the singing and the preaching. But how many of you have heard this song, Go Till It On The Mountain? Okay, that's just about, just about all of you. It's, a, it's an old song. Uh, uh, like I said, it's an African-American spiritual. And um, the writer of the carol is saying, Go to the mountains, tell the good news about the birth of Jesus. And then Paul uses the same text from Isaiah uh, as his primary text in establishing the what is the primary Christian mission, what we as followers of Christ call the Great Commission. And so in Romans 10.14, he explains the urgency of the gospel, that Jesus came to save people from every tribe, from every tongue on earth, but they have to receive this offer to be saved. And, you know, we, we, we just prayed uh, for missionaries and you know, your missions offering. And, and uh, you know that we value missionaries. We consider, consider them our heroes because they're going to, uh, not just in other countries, but certainly other countries and other uh, culture groups here in this country that uh, maybe they can connect better And they're going to preach the gospel because it's not just a matter of telling the gospel. But, you know, people have to receive it. They have to hear the offer and receive this offer to be saved. So Paul, in in explaining this urgency, he says this, this is the way he concludes. In Romans 10, 14, he writes, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And so he starts off by saying, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But he's a, then he says, but how can they call on the name of someone they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can they preach unless somebody is sent? Unless And how can somebody be sent unless the church sends them? So that's his whole train of thought. So this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, connects the Christmas story to the Great Commission. And really, Christmas is about missions. Christmas is about Jesus coming to earth as a missionary, as it were. And it's about us telling the good news of the gospel to people all over the world. All over the world. So, in in, uh, Isaiah 52, 7, I'm going to read that again. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So he talks about the mountain. The song talks about the mountain. Go to it on the mountain. So let me explain this mountain imagery. In those days, most cities in the Middle East were settled between mountains or, or hills. And so if they were ever... A, at a point where they're waiting for some good news, what they would do is they would look up to the mountains. They would look up to, to the mountains or to the hills because that would be the first place that they would see an indication that good news is coming because they would see the messenger coming over the mountains. And if the messenger was carrying a flag of some kind, that was good news. Good news of a victory that they had won. You know, and so they would look to the mountains the psalmist said, I will uh, lift up my eyes to the mountains. Uh, where does my help come from? From whence cometh, cometh my help? You know, they looked to the mountains for, for the good news. And the first ones to see the messengers of the good news would be the city watchmen. Uh, the, the, those three, these were the, the, the men that were stage, stationed in the watchtowers on the wall, all along the wall around the city. They had watchtowers. And so there would be watchmen who would be there uh, and be looking out you know, looking out for enemies or whomever, and so they would be the first ones who would uh, see the messenger coming over the hill or over the mountain, and this is why one of the verses of this song, Go Tell Her to the Mountain, says, he made me a watchman upon the city wall, because we're the watchmen, we're the ones who announce, I see him, I see the messenger, he brings good news, victory has come, and so... We are watchmen, the song is saying, we are the watchmen who are looking and seeing there's good news. Jesus is, is born, and we call it out. We tell others from the watchtower, we tell others there's good news. Go tell it on the mountain, and then the watchmen will relay that, those good news. Now, I said to you that this is a spiritual. A spiritual is a folk song that slaves would have sung while working out in the fields during this very dark time of of our nation's history. But these were songs that had a spiritual truth that encouraged the slaves during their time of slavery. And so if it was a song like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, Coming For To Carry Me Home, they're they're looking ahead to being set free from slavery, but they're also looking ahead to the return of Jesus when He would come. Uh, for them, I mean, there's so much good music, good spirituals that have now been collected, uh, and uh, but they would do a lot of singing. As they, they were work songs, a lot of times, to uh, not just to pass the time away, but they would help with the rhythm of what they were doing. And so, it's not surprising to imagine a group of slaves in a southern plantation in the South singing a song about uh, about the shepherds hearing about the birth of Jesus. Go till out on the mountain. It, that wasn't surprising because as, uh, as we saw last week, uh, shepherds were really considered the bottom of society. They were, they were abused. They were rejected. And so slaves, it's very sadly, slaves and, and shepherds had a lot in common. They were both considered to be the bottom of society. Slaves not even considered to be, you know, for a time they're a, a full person. Remember that from history? Uh, three-fifths of a person. Uh, and so uh, shepherds were a lot the same way. Pe- people rejected them. They, they uh, took advantage of them. And, and another similarity they had, the slaves and the shepherds, is that they were just stuck in their condition. There was no escape. I mean, this side of eternity, there was no escape. At least the slaves had a concept of, you know, Jesus is coming for us. God is going to set us free. And they would talk about being set free from sin. But they're really talking about being set free from slavery as well. That's that's the way spirituals uh, work. And so for the slaves in the mid-1800s, the story of Jesus coming to the shepherds would have reson- resonated with them. And it was such good news, such good news to them that they would proclaim it through this song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And, you know, if you know anything about folk songs, folk songs, it's real hard to determine. It's almost impossible, really, to determine who wrote a folk song. Uh, The word folk means people. It's this music of the people, songs of the people. There are the songs that your parents sang to you and you sing to your kids and maybe they'll sing it to their kids. It just kind of passed along. And so we don't really know who wrote this, but it's something that they all sang and and everybody just kind of contributed to it, I'm sure. That's why there's so many verses. If you know this song, there's so many verses of of this song. Um, But the point was they... The, the slaves knew, okay, we need to tell everyone who will listen the good news of our Savior's birth because it brought hope to them. Hope. And all and and the spirituals, the African-American spirituals, were all about hope. They're all about hope in the midst of, a, of just, you know, a hopeless situation. But here's what we know about, about Christmas. Not just for the shepherds, not just for the slaves. But big idea is that Christmas brings good news to everyone. Christmas brings good news to everyone. When you read the stories of Christmas in the Bible, you find different characters. And uh, one of the series that I did on Christmas many years ago was on the different characters of Christmas. And it's a very common series. I know a lot of uh, pastors like to do that. And, uh, and in fact, this week I was listening to a pastor, not locally, but from Texas uh, to his uh, sermon last week. And he's starting a sermon series looking at all the different characters of the, uh, the Christmas story. And they all, re- they all receive the, the Christmas story or the, or the news, rather, of the birth of Jesus. And they all react in different ways. But this, this is when we uh, begin to understand that the birth of Jesus changed a lot of things and it affected a lot of people. It affected a lot of people. And we find in each story the reality that the birth of Jesus is, should be, or it can be good news to everyone. So, for example, the birth of Jesus is good news to the meek and the lowly. The birth of Jesus is good news to the meek and the lowly. It was good news to the lowly shepherds who, as I said, were despised and rejected. And by the end of that scene, after the, the angel appeared to them, and then the, the chorus of angels appeared uh, saying, you know, glory to God in the highest. They went in to see the, the baby and they found everything just as the angel had told them. And then afterward, in Luke 2.20, we read that the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard, and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, one moment they're dejected; they're doing work, as I said to you last week, that was that was really children's work. And here there are adults never gotten past this. You know, they're still, you know, still doing kids' work, uh, and they're they're dejected. And now they've gone; they've seen Jesus, and they're coming back, glorifying and praising God. You know, prior to that, there wasn't a whole lot in their lives, perhaps that. Merited praise, but the birth of Jesus was good news. In fact, it was uh, the best news. Now, a little bit of repetition from last week, but, you know, a lot of us have gone through seasons of life feeling rejected like the shepherds. And some people, it's not just seasons of life. They feel like it's been much of their life just feeling low, feeling rejected, uh, feeling depressed, struggling to find value in our lives, feeling like the blessings of life some, that other people are enjoying have somehow passed us by. But the birth of Jesus is good news for the meek and the lowly because we know that Jesus was born into a simple family, to a poor family in a small town. He was born to a young mother who no doubt would have been uh, quite scared. Uh, now, I, you know, I, I imagine that because I remember my conversations my wife and I had when she was pregnant the first time. And she was, uh, she was you know, a little scared To she, she knew we wanted to have a baby, and we had agreed on that. But, you know, she, you're a new mother. And, uh, and then after Bethany was born, I remember she said, I, I'm afraid to take her to church. I said, why? I said, what if she cries? I mean, I'm, I'm sure she will, you know. Just, I guess, feed her, change your diaper. You know, I'll help you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's that newness with young mothers. And can you imagine a teenage mom who not only had a baby through the regular process, but she uh, had a baby that was conceived of the Holy Spirit with an angel appearing to her. And what, uh, you know, what a, and, and for lack of a better word, what a burden, right? Not that she felt it was a burden. We know, you know through the, the words that she spoke, the Magnificat, that uh, she understood a lot. But nevertheless, Jesus was born into a, a poor family. He grew up like many of us. Uh, in a simple, working-class family. He never held a political position. He never did the things that you and I do now, and I realize that this is a totally you know, different era, but nevertheless, he never he never lived in a period of time where he could live in a big house, where he could take a luxury vacation, where he, he drove a new car. Uh, if he had lived in, in our uh, contemporary days, and he wouldn't have... Had any of that, it would have been a simple life. And then many of his best friends turned their back on him in his greatest, at his greatest time of need, they deserted him. And yet he gladly took our sin and our shame on the cross. The Bible says in Hebrews 12:2, that he, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so in spite of everything that he suffered and how his friends left him, uh, he still followed through on the plan. And so, the the birth of Jesus is good news to to the lowly. Secondly, we we see in in the the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Jesus, that that the birth of Jesus is good news to the wise and the wealthy, not just the meek and the lowly, but the wise and the wealthy, uh, and. I speak, of course, of the, of the Magi, right? the wise men who were wealthy, who were smart, who were powerful. They were astrologers, astrologers, and they were interpreters of dreams. They were revered men. They were revered men. Uh, they were revered by kings. Daniel, the story of Daniel, the Old Testament, he was a, one of the wise men, not one of the wise men that went to, obviously, uh, to see Jesus, but he, he was uh, part of this group of magi that were very educated, wealthy, influential, and revered, admired by everyone, including kings. And so the fact that they brought Jesus gold and frankincense and myrrh, you know, expensive oils, you know, expensive perfumes, tells us about their station in life and their wealth. These were wise men who had been studying with eager expectation about the coming of the king. They were well read, they were well studied, uh, and they traveled a long, a long ways. Uh, they uh, scholars think they traveled anywhere between seven to eight hundred miles to get to where they were going. Now, we can travel seven hundred miles in one day. You know, I would rather break it up in two if it's that long. But you know, if I had to, I guess I could. Um, but uh, Traveling 700 miles in those days was brutal, was hard. Uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drive that much, like I said, in, in one day. I have a friend who, who works for AEP, and he occasionally has to take trips down to Corpus Christi or down to the valley to, to McAllen. And McAllen is about uh, 400 miles, uh, over 400 miles, and one day he had a meeting And this is pre-COVID. I think now they probably have a Zoom meeting, but back then he had to go to a meeting down there and it started late morning, I think nine or 10. He left here at two o'clock in the morning. He drove down to Rio Grande Valley for his meeting. He came back after the meeting and uh, I, you know, I "I can't believe you did that. And so it was, you know, probably more than a 24 hour trip for him. And, uh, but I guess it's doable, but in those days, and, and traveling you know, so slowly, it was hard. And yet they came, and Matthew 2, 2, 2 says that they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So when they saw the star over the city of Bethlehem, they left their homeland in the east and they came to worship the, the one that they believed was good news for themselves and good news for the world. They came to worship a baby. They went that far, not for a meeting that could have been held. You know, it could have been an email meeting or uh, a Zoom meeting. No, they went to worship a baby. In fact, he wasn't a baby, probably two years old. But they went to worship the child because they knew that he was a king of the Jews. You know, and uh, they didn't need to do that. They were wealthy. They had all the influence they needed. That they, they wanted. You know, sometimes it's easier for us to see our need for a Savior and a King. When, we, when we're when we in need, but when we're healthy, we're financially stable. Overall, we're doing pretty good. You're like, yeah, who, who needs Jesus? I mean, we would never say that, right? You'd never tell me, Pastor, who needs Jesus anymore? I'm doing okay. You would never say that. I would never say that. But when we examine our hearts and we look for that thing that we are resting in, that we're hoping in, that, that we're looking you know, to find joy in that thing. Is it really Jesus? And so sometimes those who are rich in money feel like they have enough money to guarantee tomorrow you can pay the bills. They can put money away, etc. So they don't think a lot about their spiritual condition. Who uh, They don't ask who alone provides real security for tomorrow. Because I have bills to pay For my tomorrow. So I think the question we have to ask is Has our privileged state or our intelligence, and and let's face it, we're privileged in this country. We are, we're blessed in this country. Has that or our education gotten in the way of realizing how good the news of Jesus' birth really is for us, whether meek or lowly or wise and wealthy? And then finally, the birth of Jesus is good news to the powerful and the proud. To the powerful and the proud. The birth of Jesus is good news for Herod. Herod, the king, who felt threatened when he heard the wise men tell him, we've come looking, we've come to worship the one who was born king of the Jews. And he felt threatened by that. So he didn't see this as good news. He didn't. That's why he had... uh, children killed, you know, little boys two and under, ages two and under, killed, just taken from their mothers and, and killed because he wanted to kill any possibility of anybody else taking the throne from him. And uh, he, and so when he heard the news of Jesus being born, he he was threatened. He went to these great lengths to protect what he felt was rightfully his. And he felt like, Certainly, no one is going to take away my power, my position, if I can help it. You know, he tried really hard to maintain the control that he thought he deserved. But in spite of that, I can say that the birth of Jesus is good news to the proud and the powerful. Because uh, Herod was not a peaceable man. Herod was anxious. He was suspicious, always seeking to protect his position, always seeking to protect his power to the extent that he would have little boys killed. He was so proud that the central focus of his life was what he wanted, his his, uh, selfish desires at the expense of anything or anyone that would get in the way. He had family members killed. He had family members killed. The kind of man he was, the kind of king he was. But if he only knew... If he only understood that the birth of Jesus brought the opportunity to give up this battle, to find peace in the true king. You know, and, and so you might say, well, Herod, terrible man, proud. You know, he's a man of pride and power. And, but you know what? We are the same way if, if we um, act with a sense of self-sufficiency. If we live with a sense of self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency is, is, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. You think everything is going fine. You know, one small microscopic bacteria entering your body or a virus could change everything about your life. The security and the the self-reliance that we thought we had is an illusion. One phone call from a doctor or one phone call from a loved one, you know, from who lives in another town or one phone call from a civil, you know, a a policeman or some civil authority could wreck the things that we value the most. Self-sufficiency is an illusion. We think we're doing great and we're trusting that we've, you know, set up a good plan for our lives and I certainly believe in planning, but. You know, the good news is, uh, of Jesus is to, is to free us from the burden of feeling anxious because things aren't lining up all the, uh, every day, lining up for us. One uh, message from a boss who says, hey, I need to see you after work, come into my office. I mean, that could ruin us financially and, and otherwise. And the thing is that every one of those things are things that are out of our control. So what, are, what is there to be proud of? And, and I'm talking about pride in a, in a negative sense. To try to achieve power and authority. To try to achieve a, a seat at the table of political power and, and all other kinds of power. But thank God that Jesus was born. And now, Herod didn't take this opportunity. But if he had known, if he had known what could have brought a relief from that kind of living, Where he's always anxious, suspicious, wanting to hurt people who were in his way. You know, just stepping on people, you know, as as he climbs up the ladder of success. If he had only known that he could have been set free from that. You know, in many of our Christmas songs, we sing about the newborn king. It's almost... um, Paradoxical. And I mean, a king can be a baby, but usually you don't bow to a baby. But the, the wise men did. They worshipped him. We hear uh, in our songs about the newborn king or about the little Lord Jesus. The little Lord Jesus. He's little, but he's not, little. he's not a little Lord. He's just little. The big Lord Jesus. But I think these songs remind us that he is king and he is Lord. He is king and he is Lord. Uh, Back to Luke 2, verse 10, the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, that is to say the Christ. He is a Messiah, the Lord. In other words, He is a King and He is a Lord. But we have to acknowledge His kingship and, and Lordship and submit to Him. Only then will it be good news for us. Us who, you know, as humans, we, we, we struggle with pride and we struggle with a desire for power. We all do at different levels. But the birth of Jesus is good news. It's good news for all of you that are here today. It's good news for everybody who's watching online today. It's good news for your neighbors, for your co-workers, for your family, uh, for your friends. But it's good news that requires... A response of faith, putting our faith in the fact that Jesus not only came to uh, to be born, but He came to die and to rise again. Uh, Romans says so He could be Lord of the dead and of the living. I mean that covers everybody. So it requires a response from us, and it's good news that is worthy to be proclaimed from the mountaintops, and so we can. We can say, well, this is Mission Sunday and I'm going to uh, give my missions offering and I'm going to pray for the missionaries. And those are, you know, things that we as a church should do because we have the responsibility of sending missionaries, the biblical responsibility of sending missionaries with our finances and with our prayers. But let's not discount that we're also called to go. Let's not say, well, I'm, I'm giving my money. But what about here among your friends? What about here among your co-workers, your family members, your neighbors? Who is going to be the messenger on the mountain? Who's going to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus is born and he makes a difference in your life? Whether meek or lowly, whatever station of life you find yourself in, whether meek or lowly, he is the answer for you. Uh, whether you're you're feeling you know proud... Uh, Seeking wealth and prosperity, you're feeling powerful and and proud or um, however, wherever you might be, wise and wealthy, it doesn't matter where you are. We need Jesus. And the good news is that Jesus makes a difference in our lives. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to consider yourself a messenger with beautiful feet. Symbolically speaking, who takes the gospel to places and to people that need it. Think about your friends. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak to them of Jesus. Don't be afraid to, if it's easier, uh, to invite them to come and see what Jesus does. You know, a lot of times you forget that come and see is, is evangelism too. Come and see is what the disciples, you know, said to each other when they met Jesus. Come and see. Who is he? Well, come and see. I'm going to this church. What is it? Oh, well, come and see. You know, that's 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 a starting point. But let's tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Would you bow for prayer? Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your son Jesus Christ. We celebrate his birth during this season, but God, we also know that. Um, He was not just a, a baby, but he was and he is king. And today, Lord, we worship your son Jesus as king. Today, Jesus, we worship you as king and as Lord. But God, it's not enough that we get to do it. There are many others who need to be set free from this condition of pride, of trusting in their wisdom, or their wealth, of trusting in power, or people to understand, to know that even though they're in a a lowly position in life at this time, that God really loves them, and God really cares for them, and they're not forgotten. We have the answer, Lord. Help us to tell it on the mountain. Help us to let people know that Jesus Christ is born. But today, Father, we just um, we give you worship. We hail you, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. You're not a baby in a manger, but you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we worship you. Now.